Welcome to Atomic Moms, a modern parenting podcast about the joys and complexities of caring for our children and ourselves. I'm Ellie Noss, and since 2014, we've been celebrating and commiserating with world-class experts, best-selling authors, and moms around the world. Hi, everyone. Today, we have a very special guest in studio. I think the fleas are finally gone. special guest in studio, Carissa Bruin. She's going to tell you all about herself in a moment, but first we wanted to kick things off with the mom bomb. For new listeners, this is something that I sometimes remember to do, which is share an inspiring quote that's kind of a good kick in the pants to help you get through the week. So Carissa, welcome to Atomic Moms. And what's your hashtag mom bomb? My hashtag mom bomb is, I just read this, um, somebody shared an Instagram post with this, and it really resonated with me. It is, remember why you started. Sometimes when we're in the middle of stuff, it feels really hard <laughs> to find the joy or, you know, you're doing your eighth pile of laundry and trying to clean up the kitchen and also not get something thrown at you. <laughs> yeah. This is my 192nd episode. Why did you start? Great question. Because you had something to share with moms, right? Like you wanted to share. Uh, guys, experience. this is our last episode. And- <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> I, no. <laughs> you got to at least get to 200. <laughs> right? Okay. Yeah, Chris, so when, was, when was last time you used this? Give us a specific instance. Remember was why it, you started? Yeah. I mean, I, I literally just read this today. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use it. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, we haven't actually tried this out. You know, out. I'm going to use it. Today, later, when I see my husband and go like, oh, remember why we started like being together? You're so cute and funny and fun. And give him a big smooch. <laughs> you know, we do the Oprah kiss. I, we saw it on Oprah, I think. What's the Oprah kiss? <laughs> the Oprah kiss is where you have to actually kiss your partner like on the lips for, I think it's like 10 seconds or something. Oh, yeah. There was, I don't even remember oh, yeah, the yeah, origin yeah. I've heard about of this. this. Of like you have to hug for at least six seconds yeah, or whatever the thing is. So you do it? Yeah. Regularly? No. Oh. That's why it's called the <laughs> animal will be like, we got to have an Oprah kiss. And it's so funny because you're like, oh yeah, we've lived in the same house for a good week and we have not touched each other's lips. Yeah. Is that normal? Or it's been like very no, like self-conscious. No, no. Or it's like very perfunctory. Like things become yeah. very perfunctory when you have kids and you're busy and there's work yeah. and there's da da da. It's like, yeah. okay, okay. See you later. Bye. Bye. But it's not very like. By the way, Adam's been getting like upset lately, and it's very sweet. But like because I've been trying to work on the podcast at night because we just did the NICU episode, and I feel like this intense responsibility when I am sharing birth stories. Like I want the moms to be really proud of it, and you want to honor and I want to honor. Yeah, I want them to feel good about it, and so like I end up working five hundred times harder on those episodes Mm -hmm. than you will on this one. Yeah, That's no, this good. one this is, one is literally this is the first time. Filler. Yeah, I got it. First time <laughs> ever that I haven't had any notes. I didn't even get a bio from you. So we'll do that in a minute. Um, but <laughs> I, I've, so I've been working at night on it and he's been like sad about it. He's been like. That's special time though. I know. The nighttime after the kids go to bed is like special honey time. We call it honey time. Honey time? <laughs> yeah. That's really good. It's honey time. It's Oprah our time to be honey honeys. <laughs> 
Yeah, but then when is a mom supposed to get her stuff done? You got to wake up at four o'clock in the morning. I know. I'm just afraid that they're going to wake up. Dude, I know. I was for a while. I was waking up at like 4.30 to write in the morning. Yeah. And Grayson was starting to wake up See, earlier and earlier and earlier. They smell you. They smell you being they produ- they go, productive. They go, oh, she's having her alone time. Oh, I'm going to get in on that. Yeah. It's like Jurassic Park or something. Yeah, as long as you don't move or make a noise, they can't see you. (laughs) Okay, so Carissa, tell everybody who you are. Well, I'm an actor, writer, director. I've lived in Los Angeles for really just over a year and a half. I was in Chicago uh, in the comedy scene for the 10 years prior to that. And I have a three-year-old son, and I've been married. We just celebrated our seventh wedding anniversary this week. Congratulations. What did you guys do for that? Uh, we went to the, because we live in the Valley, we went to Petit Trois, which is that it's like a new little French restaurant. And I got a horrible stomach ache, like probably after the first course. It was just like so buttery and heavy. heavy. It was good, but I got a stomach ache. And Scott was like, I know something's wrong. You didn't eat any dessert. <laughs> like, yeah. He's like, this was not a successful anniversary. He was like, well, and he, uh, that You're was like, the day after like, our anniversary. This will be Netflix tonight. <laughs> yeah, we did. We went home and. The, the day of our anniversary, he was super sick. So, yeah, this year was not like the most celebratory. I think we're going to try and take a weekend later. Aww. Have you guys gone away by yourselves yet? We did last fall. We went to a wedding in New York. That's and nice. That was fun. Yeah, yeah, it was a very fancy, fun wedding for a college friend. Back on the East Coast. Back on the East Coast, yeah. Where we met. Yes, right. So many years ago. Yes. What year was it? 2003. Shut up. Fall of 2003 is when we met. Yeah. It's only 15 years ago. No. Do the math. Yeah. I can't do math. <laughs> don't ask me that. Well, it's 2018. I've been up since five. I'm not doing the math. Okay. Well, That's crazy. Yeah. We've known each other for 15 years. Yep. We did a theater camp. <laughs> It wasn't a camp. We went to theater camp for a semester. Yeah. At the Eugene O'Neill Theater Center in Waterford, Connecticut. It's called the National Theater Institute, NTI. How many of us were there? 32. 32 of us. We lived on this property next to the ocean. <laughs> I mean, it was beautiful. It was truly, I look back and I'm like, what was that? That was so. It was a really kind of amazing, awesome commune. Mm-hmm. We were like living in these, like, we lived in this, like, big old house. Yeah. It was strange. We were we had classes seven days a week. Seven days a week. We weren't allowed to go home for Thanksgiving. Right. And we would start our classes at seven thirty or seven or something. Yeah, we had like warm ups, like physical warm ups. Yeah. Seven. And then we weren't classes ended really late. Yeah, like ten. Yeah, what was that? They were trying to prepare us for the real world. Yeah, but where you sh- work a day job and then also try to create art <laughs> after that. I'm so tired all the time. It was a really good prep for, it was. for being a parent. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, but we got to sleep through the night there. Right. <laughs> so that's right. different. Uh, before we started recording, you mentioned a project that I do not remember where we had to draw ourselves. Oh, yeah. So, um, we studied scene design there, as you remember, and uh, we had to, one of his things that he thought was really important for designers was to to understand proportions of the body. And the way that he wanted us to understand the proportions of the body was to stand naked and do like a full, basically like a full frontal drawing of ourselves nude. And then we like put them up and he like critiqued them. I do not remember this. I still have this. mine somewhere. Are you serious? Because mm-hmm. I remember he looked at mine and he went, 
uh, and like he, <laughs> I, it, I, I think his sexual orientation is, I think he's gay, so it doesn't really matter, but he was like, these he's definitely bre- gay. He's married to a yeah, man. He's married to a man. Right. Yeah. He was like, these breasts are not right. <laughs> and I was like, mm. and like, I'm not a terrible, like visual artist. So I was like, I think they're, I think they're right. And then he like had me, he was like, step back. And he, he looked at me and he was like, no. oh yeah, they're right. Cause no they're, they're small. Way. They're not very big. <laughs> But I will say they nursed my baby just fine. Yeah, mine too. <laughs> yeah. They don't have to be big to make milk. It's so true. I mean, I was surprised. It was like the, I was like, wow. But my, he, yeah. yeah. Well, that's shocking. And <laughs> I'm I surprised you don't remember that. Everyone was so like, you know, because yeah. we were what 20, 21, I also can't whatever. Imagine wh- where did we stand in front of these mirrors naked? Because we all had roommates. Oh, like, I was really very lucky. Weird. I had a solo. I had a single room in the cottage. Wow. But I, you know, my next door neighbor was always practicing her Shakespeare monologue and I could always hear it very loudly. <laughs> <laughs> I think you and I also went, did, were you, was it Rachel or was it, I think we went and got a bikini wax. Did yeah, that, no, that was all of us. Yeah, we went off campus to get a bikini wax. <laughs> Maybe that was we after we did like three times <laughs> total. I gained <laughs> 14 pounds or 15 pounds there. It was great. Yeah. It was all muscle, though. We were doing a lot of physical work. It was a lot of Russian movement <laughs> and a lot of pancakes. Mm-hmm. It and was sheet great. Cake. Sheet cake. <laughs> there was so much sheet cake. Oh, and we got to go to Stratford-upon-Avon. And yeah, we got to go to England. That was really amazing. And I, got, I ate a lot of uh, fancy British candy bars. You know those lion bars? They were so good. <laughs> anyway, I, I'm still shocked about... That sounds like a kind of a Me Too moment. Like, it's just weird. The, I mean, but I guess but as the artist, thing that you made have to... it not a Me Too moment was that there was nothing sort of sexual about it. No. And he wasn't, I mean, he wasn't power tripping or he wasn't no. anything. He was just like, the proportions don't look right. <clears throat> no, he was just body shaming. <laughs> he just assumed that I had larger breasts to match my huge personality. Huge <laughs> <laughs> personality. By the way, Tommy Dickey, who you went to college with. Who I saw last night. You did? I went to an opening night of a show at the Geffen last night. Oh my God, how was you, it? Um, okay, was- we're going to get to parenting also, everyone. <laughs> but Tommy Dickey did say, speaking of body shaming, he said I had the body of a man. That meant it he, was a compliment. He, liked you. <laughs> he, he did. I have very broad shoulders. <laughs> and I'll never forget it. <laughs> Such a compliment. Yeah. Okay. Yes. So how'd you end up? Ugh, I got to get to parenting. I don't want to talk about parenting. How weird is that? It's okay. Is it? I mean, I don't know. I I listen to almost every episode of your podcast. I've listened to most of them. So I like the ones that diverge, but I might be in the minority. Which one's your favorite? Um, I liked the one you did with Claire Coffey. Which, uh, the recent one where it was like, the more was she here? recent one when she was here. Yeah. yeah, yeah and yeah. she was talking about like living in Brooklyn and yeah. that stuff. That was cool. Yeah. And also the one you did her. with your friend who was displaced by the fires. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Rachel. Yeah. That was really that was crazy interesting. Yeah, basically, anytime someone stays at our house, I now make them come on the podcast. Oh, I, oh, right. I should tell you, I'm going to stay here now yes. tonight. Yeah, I'm staying. Yay, I'll just we're tell ready. Scott that he can take care of Grayson. And I'm, I'm how did up. you guys meet? Scott and I were cast in an improv group together in 2007. We auditioned on my birthday, and then yeah, we both got on this group, and we that group performed together for like six years. It was a long-running improv group. When did you have Chicago. a feeling that you would procreate together? <laughs> oh, well, there was pretty heavy flirtation 
pretty much right out of the gate. I think we started dating like three or four months after the group started. We tried to keep it a secret. I don't think anybody. Yeah. I think everybody probably knew. Um, And then, you know, probably like six or eight months into our relationship, we had a, I had a, like a kind of shit or get off the pot sort of conversation with him. What's that look like, Carissa? (laughs) (laughs) Well, for me, it looked like, hey, I'm 28. I'm old. Like, or I guess I wasn't, I was maybe a little younger than that, but I was like, look, I, I don't want to play games. I don't want to, if you want to be with me, be with me. If you don't want to be with me, fine. Like, I really don't care, but like, let's either do it or don't do it. I was like super intense. Probably the way I always am. Yeah. And what did he say? <laughs> he was like, I'm in it to win it. Oh, it's so good. Yeah. And so, you know, it has been hard fought. We've definitely, you know, marriage is not always easy as Maybe you know, or maybe yours has been easy, which is great. So easy. <laughs> Just smooth sailing smooth every sailing. day. Excellent we communication. Never speak higher than a whisper. Oh and it's like just a little like love. Like, I love you so much. It's all kisses. All our hugs. baby talk is for each other, <laughs> not for the children. Just kidding. Uh, give us some help there. I mean, um, that sounded terrible. My mother-in-law listens to this and she's going to get worried. <laughs> no. Bubby, all, it's, it is smooth sailing at home. But I am curious what advice you have for moms because our episode with Jancy Dunn, How Not to Hate Your Husband After Having Kids, mm-hmm. was one of our most listened to episodes. I bet. There's a hunger out there well, from mothers of like, how yeah. do you keep, how do you keep this love alive while you also keep your kids alive? Well, I think, and I can't remember if you guys talked about this in that episode or not, but um, certainly, you are, are like <laughs> I am like your your I'm like your resident expert. I'm like your intern. I'm like oh, we talked about that already. Um, <laughs> this makes me so happy. <laughs> um, it's, it's such a great thing to do driving in the car. It's Thank like you. my thing that I do, or like if I'm walking the dog by myself, which I don't get to do all the time. But um, anyway, I think <laughs> one of the things you guys. Oh my god. These poor mothers listening that are pre- like that are pregnant and don't have kids yet. They're like, wait, walking your dog becomes like <laughs> it's your escape <laughs> from the house. Anything to get out of the house. No, my I'm just mom, kidding. That sounds way, no, what sounds worse is my mother would share. She doesn't share many memories of me as a baby, mm-hmm. uh, but she does share that she would walk around the apartment building with the dog, and she could just hear me crying. Because I guess it was nap time. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I guess that was her cry it out method was to walk the dog around the apartment building. And just leave you in there? And leave me in there <laughs> listening to me cry. <laughs> and this is why I have a podcast on learning how to be a mother. <laughs> Love you, mommy. She'll listen now because a friend of hers will tell her. And, no, she'll listen. Oh, okay. that's it'll, great. It's, it's great. So, Carissa, give us help with our marriage. Well, I think the Everyone. thing. The I'm thing saying, that, yeah. Now I, I'm defensive about my marriage. <laughs> Don't be don't be defensive. Look, the thing is, is something that I didn't realize would happen that happens when you have a kid is it changes your dynamic because suddenly you're both dealing with and processing stuff from when you were a kid, babies Mm -hmm. that have to do with your relationship to your parents and how they maybe fell short or you didn't have your needs met in a particular way. And it changes the dynamic of your marriage by adding this other human. Not to mention, like, as a mom, you're, you, I became, I became, I have become so focused on my kid. You know, like, I just, Mm -hmm. especially breastfeeding in like the first year, Mm -hmm. it's like so intense. And, you know, to balance that with a marriage is hard, I think, or it can be hard if you don't like make a priority for it. 
And we did. I mean, we had a really rough go. Like Grayson's first year was really hard on our marriage. And we we decided to go to couples therapy. And our first therapist was terrible. <laughs> and you guys bonded over that? Well, <laughs> we would go and we'd be like, what are we spending this money and time on? And oh, tell me the worst thing the person said. I, I mean, the worst thing that it was, was we were both ex- incredibly busy. My yeah. husband was working um on a stage at Second City. He was also in the writer's room at Second City. So he was basically working two jobs. I was being like stay-at-home mom, but I was also in graduate school at the same time. <laughs> but it was like insane. I don't recommend it. I did it, but like, don't do it. And do we you would, have any help, by the way, um, with Grayson? Well, you were in grad school. Like, who, did you have a nanny? No. See, that's why I wanted to make that clear. I wasn't totally sure because yeah, that no. sounds so insane. Yeah, no. You I, were I, in grad school and the full-time caregiver of your infant right so for the first this is a little bit of a digression that's all i do but so i had him i intentionally got we got pregnant at the basically the same time i started grad school because it was kind of like time is going and like why not and i kind of wanted grad school was really good for me personally and creatively so we got pregnant and so my first year of grad school i was pregnant I produced a short film at the end of that year while I was eight months pregnant. So there's like pictures of me on set, like super pregnant. <laughs> and then I had Grayson in July and then I went back to school when he was like six weeks old. And for the first <laughs> and for the first six, eight weeks of school, so until he was like three, three and a half, almost four months old, I took him with me to school, to class. It was night classes, mostly evening classes. We were in Chicago. I would put him in the baby carrier and I, cause I could nurse him in the carrier and he would just sleep on me or I would lay him on the floor in class. And I'll tell you what, not, a, I never asked permission and not a single professor ever said a word to me other than what's his name. <laughs> no one ever was like, you can't have a baby here. Right. And in fact, I had um, an assistantship, which is basically like I was a TA for a guy and for like almost an extracurricular program. And I brought Grayson to that until he started crawling, like until he was like seven months old. And he he's a, you know, he, that guy, that professor, his name's Jose. He's a, he's a dad. And he was so supportive. It was awesome. And Grayson wasn't just like hanging from the rafters. I guess it, up until six months or not. Until they really, start moving, yeah, they're right. so portable. <laughs> like sure. a, it's like a briefcase. Sure. And I mean, and honestly, like. But not loud. Oh, occasionally he would be loud and okay. I'd stick my boob in his mouth. Okay. Like Got nursing it. was like Got my it. solution to mm-hmm. every mm-hmm. challenge <laughs> with him. Sounds good. It's like nursing. And, uh, you know, I think maybe three or four times I had to leave the room with him because mm-hmm. he was, that was having it. whatever. But yeah, for the most part, it was very okay. So easy. But yeah, no, no, I didn't have any childcare. And then I arranged <laughs> my, we were able to arrange our schedule, like with the winter break and then my class schedule. I was able to arrange my schedule so that Scott could be home with him on his nights off from doing, sh- he was doing eight shows a week of an equity run. On his nights off, he would be with Grayson and I would go to school then separate. It was, so, it was so, really but, hard. It was a hard first year. Extremely and hard. And the terrible. I want to call him guidance counselor, oh, <laughs> the therapist. So she, look, I think she's a very nice person, whatever. But her, the thing that she would always say to us would be like, this, we're like doing this, we're doing this. Like, we don't know, we're fight. Like, we have this tension, what's going on? She'd be like, oh, you guys are both so busy. And I was like, what the f- am I paying you for? 
Mm -hmm. I'm paying you to tell me I'm busy. I Mm -hmm. know I'm busy. We're carving out an hour of time Mm -hmm. to come here. Mm -hmm. We would take Grayson with us (laughs) to these appointments. Uh, Because we didn't, it didn't feel like we had a lot of options. Right. For whatever reason. So... So then we you found a new person. Fired her. <laughs> you fired her. Did you tell her? Or did you just ghost? Um, well, things got somehow like slightly busier. Like our the my my class schedule changed, and then it like wasn't working. So we just told her, you know, we're not going to be. Mm-hmm. This schedule doesn't work for us anymore, and we'll circle back if we feel like we need mm-hmm. to do that. And then we found this other guy, and he is amazing. We still he's in Chicago, but we still see him through Skype. Thank God for Skype and FaceTime. And he's like an angel human in like therapist form. What's the best thing he said? How did he solve the busyness issue or what was it really? Well, I mean, look, tension does not come from being busy, right? Like stress in a marriage doesn't come from that. It comes from like underlying issues (laughs) that are there. And the underlying issues, at least in our experience, it seems like our challenges always come from one of us feels like our needs aren't being met, which is like triggered from our childhoods and our, we had very different childhoods, but somehow both had the experience of kind of putting our needs second or like benching our needs to kind of get through whatever the thing is. Or, you know, my thing was I'm the oldest and um, I have a sister who's exactly two years younger than I am. Her birthday's the day before mine. And I think she was a lot. As a kid. And I think, you know, my parents were always just kind of like, you're the big girl, handle your stuff, Mm -hmm. which is, has created part of my personality that I love, which is like, I can get stuff done and I can do a lot. And I'm like, that's great. But it also means I'm not great at asking for help. For example, taking my kid with me to school. Right. You know what I mean? Like, I didn't even think that I could ask for help or I didn't know who to ask, that sort of thing. You muscle through. Yeah, because I can, which is like, but do you have to? So what do you say now when you feel like, when, do you feel like you f- realize that you aren't getting your needs met like way after the fact? Like, does it take yes, a while well, to recognize it? Right. So that's like the benefit of therapy, right? Is like you work with people to help you understand why am I reacting this emotionally or in this way? And then how can I sort of like get in front of that and Mm -hmm. change and realize like what's really happening? So sometimes like Scott, the the best thing about this therapist that we have as a couple is that he's given us all sorts of like catchphrases or little tools. And most of them are pretty humorous. And they're just ways for us to like stop whatever the kind of emotional snowball effect is and kind of get back into the present moment. And it's about practicing. And so we just try to practice with each other. So like sometimes if I'm feeling really emotional, but I don't really know what's going on, I'm getting kind of like pissed off and Mm -hmm. like grumpy. I'll just sometimes go, need, need. (laughs) (laughs) I have a need. (laughs) And then what do you say? And then Scott will go, okay. Okay. Like that kind of helps him understand that the the kettle is boiling a little bit or starting to boil. And then, you know, and then it, it's on me and it's on, it's my work to kind of figure out, okay, so what is the thing that's really feeling mm-hmm. triggered or upset mm-hmm. or where haven't I asked for what I need 
Yeah, I'm now thinking about why you probably liked that episode with Claire Coffey so much too, Mm -hmm. because you're both married to performers Mm -hmm. who sometimes have to travel for work. Mm -hmm. And you guys are both so attached, like at the hip Mm -hmm. to your little ones Mm -hmm. that that dynamic, I mean, like, I'm like, of course you, that episode resonated with you. What advice do you have for mothers where their partner is going out of town? And like, it's just sort of the frustration of like watching your partner get to go chase his dream. Like when he went to Chicago to work on Chicago Med, which by the way, everyone on Atomic Moms, you know, Bridget Maloney Sinclair, her husband, Dan, is a writer on uh, Chicago Med. And I think that was his episode. Oh, really? What a tiny world is that? Yeah, Scott got to do a three-episode arc, which is really yeah. cool. That's, oh, like that's right. a recurring guest, which was awesome. So um, he went to Chicago and you were here. Yeah. Well, that was particularly hard because I did not yet, and I still don't know that I necessarily do. I don't have like a group of moms in my neighborhood here. That would be the thing that I would recommend to all moms everywhere is get if you can figure out how to do it through the park district or like there was like a little music school that we were at in Chicago called the Old Town School of Folk Music plug the best um but they ha- like we started taking music classes and you can get a little mom group together that's local to your neighborhood and then you can do outings with them and say like man can I drop my kid off for a few minutes and we did eventually with one of the moms in my neighborhood that I had met through a friend whose daughter was I think four months older than Grayson um, she's great Uh, we did a nanny share which was basically we would do two four-hour chunks uh, a week and you know so from like eight to noon or ten to one or whatever our kids would either go to our house or their house and a nanny would come and it would be like $7 an hour for us, you know, because we were splitting mm-hmm. and we were in Chicago where things are cheaper. But like that was a great way to get a break. And I would just like go to a coffee shop and I would do a little bit of writing on my own or whatever. And I think figuring out ways to build in breaks for yourself and communicating with your partner that that's what you need. That's important. I also just recommend therapy. <laughs> I mean, if you can figure it out and there, and, and if your partner's on board, I actually find couples therapy is somehow, not that it sh- you shouldn't also do individual, but like it's so much more effective, I think because, and this is what our therapist says, is you're getting triggered in real time because you're with someone else. And so they can see your relationship dynamic at play. And like, I just find that the growth is a lot faster in a couple setting. When it comes to both partners. Mm-hmm chasing their dream Mm -hmm. or or pursuing their careers. Mm -hmm. And we all seem to have to have babies around the time that that really feels most pressing. It feels like doors are starting to shut. Um, They're getting bolted shut. No, I'm kidding. But... But it's all happening at the same time. And so that, yeah. and our partners feel this need to help provide, like, especially, right. I feel like husbands, there is something there about this, like, masculine need to provide mm-hmm. that happens when you have a child yeah. and there's not enough time. How have you guys worked it out so that you are able to continue pursuing your career? Especially in the arts, where it's so wishy-washy. It's really funny. It's really hard. We actually just this week, <laughs> we're t- I was talking like, 
because we're um, going to try and get pregnant again. Or we're sort of, we're not like, we're not trying super hard. We're not taking anybody's temperature or anything like that. But like, you know, we're like, pull the goalie. It's fine. Um, <laughs> so we're going to see what happens. Um, but I was kind of telling Scott, I was like, I don't know. Maybe I want you to be like the full-time breadwinner and I just want to be the mom for a while. Because it feels like that first year of a baby's life is super important. It's so important to be able to nurse that baby and meet that baby's needs. And, you know, you did an episode on attachment theory. Mm-hmm. And, like, that is a crucial time for that, that those that meeting your child's needs in that time is so important. And that is, I don't know. Do you think, but you were the primary caregiver mm-hmm. for Grayson's first year and yeah. you were still, you were in grad school and doing all this other stuff. So are you saying that but, but also- But at what cost? Right. So tell me about that. You're saying you would like this time potentially to focus on that and not be as stressed out and strung out. Right. Yeah. And then, and then this kind of circles back to this idea of like asking for what I need. Like, is it even okay to want that? Is it okay to want that? It sometimes feels like in our society, it's not okay to say, maybe I just want a mom for a little bit. Just. Why would I say just? I know. It's hard. Good catch. It's hard. Being a mom is really hard. It's so so hard. And it's okay to to say it's hard, (laughs) you know? I mean, it's really weird because Eliza's our last. And so new listeners, she's just, she turned a year in July and she's changing so quickly. And I love being with her. And at the same time, yeah, I have this fear of, I know that she only has one more year before she'll start preschool, but I also want to be chasing this other stuff. And I think that's fine. But how much of it is also about the fear and how much of it is about the fear of being left behind or the fear of everything stalling. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for real. It's and real. It's real. And the and also that it's always how I've been wired. My girlfriend, Deanna, said to me, this was probably two years ago. I was like, yeah, you know, th- things are really busy. I got all these different projects, da, da, da. And I was like, I don't know why I... And she's like, but you, you wear it well. Like, that's that's just also like what you like doing. And is I was like- Is being busy? Is being busy. And, right. I, and not in like a- Luckily, I figured out ways to be busy in what I hope are meaningful ways, mm-hmm. not being busy for busy sake, right. but it's like the fear of putting things on hold for a year and not being able to start up the engine again mm-hmm. is scary. Mm-hmm. Also, the judgment of being a like I'm someone who's busy, that that there's like a shame there of like, well, why can't I just relax? Or like when I was on bed rest, like why not just be on bed rest? Mm -hmm. Like why do you have to keep making and producing? Is that because you feel like you're not enough? And it was cool for Deanna Mm -hmm. to say to me like, no, that's just like you. Right. And and I haven't owned that part of it yet. It's like, yeah, I am a maker. I'm a doer. And that's okay. That's how I am too. And that's what I told Scott too, because Scott was like, wait, so are you saying that you you will stop pursuing the writing stuff for now you'll stop doing all the side projects and like you're you're gonna really focus and be a like be a mom and that will be the full-time thing he's like i'm fine with that but i don't know if you're gonna be fine with that and he's kind of right like i don't know like i don't i've never been in the position to be able to focus on that Mm -hmm. 
I do know, though, that I am super duper creative and I'm going to be creative no matter what. So even if I'm not writing or whatever, I'm going to be doing weird projects with the kids and like, you know, I was late this morning in part because I was making a fire truck out of a big cardboard box for my son because that's what he wanted to do. He was like, cut holes for the legs and put a steering wheel in. And I was like, okay. And then I looked at the clock and I went, you got to get to preschool. (laughs) (laughs) So you went to grad school for screenwriting. I did. So you're a master at storytelling. You have a master's in storytelling. I have a master's of fine arts in (laughs) writing for the screen. Yes. So tell us about the stories we tell ourselves. We just did. We were just talking about it a little bit. Right. Like a, of saying, I'm a busy person. I'm Yeah, I'm busy or I like to make things. I, I don't know. I think it's it, a better way to put it. Yeah. You know, and this is ties kind of back into the the therapy thing of, you know, learning about yourself and sort of the things that are deeply ingrained in you. And where they come from, and also the things that are deeply ingrained maybe in your partner and where those came from, those are like stories that you come to believe based on the way you were treated or the way the world seemed. And I I believe that we can change those stories, right? Like that we can say, oh, I don't actually like that I have a negative outlook or I don't like that I, you know— I don't know. I think about how you're always saying, I'm not a good cook on the podcast. (laughs) Okay. But what if that's just not true? Did you just hear that defensive throat clear? (laughs) (laughs) I'm not here to judge you. We'll go in the kitchen together and you... Great. But I just wonder, like, if there's a different story to be told or like why. And I'm not saying maybe you are. Maybe you are. And that's just like your your thing. But I think about it also in terms of parenting, um, because when you start having an awareness of how things that happened in your childhood or your partner's childhood have affected them, like in major ways, um, affected like how they are, how they operate in the world and you know, everything. I mean, I think about then, okay, what kind of things am I saying Mm -hmm. to my son? What kind of things am I telling him about himself? How am I treating him? What kind of relationship dynamics are we like modeling for him? Mm -hmm. Is this how I would want him to treat a wife or have his wife treat him the way I'm treating Scott? You know what I mean? Like that we're creating, we're like building the foundation for those stories. For our kids. When I was in Chicago this spring saying goodbye to my grandmother who had lung cancer, my mom was sick in the hotel room. So I was alone with my grandmother for the day that I was there because I was nursing and I had to get back to Eliza. Anyway, I pressed record on my phone because I thought that I could get some good memories to like share with the family. And of course, just accidentally when I press record, the first thing she says is, I was the unwanted child. Interesting. And I was like, oh, okay. And I was like, well, why? And she said she was the baby. So she felt unwanted in that way that mm-hmm. I think there was a big age gap and that her mother was so focused on the the elder siblings and that they would go to the swim meets or they would go to the classes for her brother and sister. And so that she just felt less loved or wanted 
But that was interesting to me that that was a story she was telling herself even in the last months of her life. Yeah. And how did that affect every relationship she had? Absolutely. Yeah. So I think I I just I'm not trying to do too much like in terms of muscling anything, but I'm just trying to bring a lot of awareness to what I say to our son Grayson about himself, what I say about him in front of other people. Because he's he's wonderful. He's super energetic and he's super strong. He'll climb anything and jump off of anything. And he's he's only just turned three and he's been climbing to the top of stuff since, you know, he was like two and a half um, or earlier. I don't know. He's just a super climber. But I try not to say he's wild. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? I try to be just aware because I don't think wild is – wild kind of has a negative connotation, mm-hmm. I feel like. Mm-hmm. Or at least the way I would say it probably would. <laughs> so I try to say things like, he's wonderful. Wow, he's so alive. He's Ooh, so I strong. I love that. He's so alive. I, I also think it's – I think it's great that you're bringing awareness to it. I'm uh, – more into like programming <laughs> my child. Oh, I wish. I feel like maybe I just saw the writing on the wall very early with Grayson. He's yeah. extremely independent that I was yes. like, there will be no programming this one. Well, He's I think come in. I've programmed. <laughs> so this morning, Sabrina, oh boy, she was up at five yelling. What she has was mosquito she bites, about? so she's oh. itchy. So I went in there and I laid down with her and we're on her little bed and it's so uncomfortable mm-hmm. because there's also like the the foam thing so she doesn't fall off the bed. So I'm like laying half on this like hump. Oh. Do you think <laughs> she would fall on the bed? She's five, right? Didn't she just turn she five? She just turned five. I guess I could probably take that off now. I mean, we probably. No, <laughs> these are the things. When you're not in like a mom group anymore where you guys are, where you're comparing level. <laughs> this isn't to compare, but we put Grayson in a twin bed. You know what? Right around when he turned, a little before he turned two and he fell out of the bed like once. And then he learned his lesson. <laughs> Darn right he did. He's a smart boy. You know, I'm keeping, I'm trying to think of why we have the hump. I think it's also because when Eliza sits on the bed with her, at least it's like half a second or more (laughs) before she falls. one more obstacle. She loves, uh, yeah, face diving off the side though. (laughs) It's like her favorite thing to do. But this morning, so finally I'm waking Sabrina up and I, I cast a spell on her. Oh, <laughs> this was I like the witchy stuff. Yeah. <laughs> well, we just went to the Harry Potter wizarding world uh-huh. and she loved it. Oh, go- cool. So as she was waking up, I did like a really bizarre, uh, yeah, I did a spell on her. About, but what was the spell? Let me try and think. Was it in Latin? No, it should have been. <laughs> I haven't read Harry Potter. It's Adam's thing. Oh. <laughs> and also I want to make sure that I got the point across. It was about kindness and how loving she is. And that today that she'd be such a good listener and have such That's an great. That's open the same heart. Thing. That's awesome. And um, and that she was the leader of the animals. Because <laughs> I was trying to like add something so she wouldn't, you know, I had to add something that she actually cared about. <laughs> and then she <laughs> fell back asleep. And then she came in my room like five minutes later and she goes, Mom, you know spells aren't real. Oh. And I was like, they are. They can be. I go... It's called an intention. <laughs> and she's like, intentions aren't real. I was like, no, intentions are real. Mm-hmm. And you. And then she was like, well, I'm going to do a spell on you. You're the queen today. You're the queen of... And I go, what does it mean to be a queen? Does it mean that I 
sit up a little straighter? Does it mean that I am kind to everyone I meet? And mm-hmm. she's like, yes, yes. So anyway, that was my way of programming her. And I think it's it's the same. I mean, I think it's, it's kind of like right? the same thing. It's yeah. It's what do you what do you want to say to this person about them that they're gonna take out into the world and that we can change ourselves based on what our beliefs are and also by just being aware Mm -hmm. but you can't change something you're not aware of like i just put up a new so now when people look on the podcast thing like there's a picture of me and sabrina and Mm -hmm. like there was a lot of like ah like do i put a picture of my kid on there or not Mm -hmm. what about the other kid there was Mm -hmm. also like a cooler version but it was with the other kid Mm -hmm. (laughs) but then i was like that's not it doesn't really feel as much like atomic moms as it does like a hipster record (laughs) and but it was really cool and i don't know that insecurity like does it ever go away you think it's possible to change that? I don't know if it is, or is it something that's been like? I don't know. I mean, you know, you got to figure out where it came from. This is something our couples therapist would talk about: is the younger part, our younger parts. Mm-hmm. That's coming from a younger part, right? That's not coming from like grown-up Ellie. No, who's like obviously extremely capable and smart, and like, you know, you're raising two beautiful daughters. You have a podcast, like you. Keep it coming. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That's enough. Um, <laughs> but like that, that younger part of that insecurity of like seeking approval, that's coming from some other place. And I think that if we can bring our awareness to that younger spot and heal it, then maybe, yeah. But I don't know. Also, how much do you identify as being like an insecure, anxious person? Mm. How much do you like that? How much does that help you, you that's a great get question. your stuff done? Oh, yeah. Rhetorical, not necessarily something that I know for you, but like I know for me, this idea of I can handle it by myself mm-hmm. is not necessarily always helpful in my life, but it does help me get stuff done. Yes. Me too. But it makes me, you know, more isolated and more. I also love that I've got more of like a, a victim-y, oh, see, that's me being hard on myself. But like I've got that, I've got like I'm going to get this done thing mm-hmm. that you have, mm-hmm. but there's a like a little bit. Yeah. Just like add a little dash of anxiety, pepper in some. Yeah, mine is like with anger. <laughs> mine doesn't that's have anxiety. Mine is like more like pissed off. Of like, I don't need anybody else. Yeah. That's that muscling. Yeah. Yeah. Like oh, fine. I'll do it myself kind of. Yeah. So what I'm trying to do is not screw up my kid in that way. So how do you do that? No, I'm screwing him up for sure. Definitely. <laughs> I mean, but maybe in a whole maybe new way. In a totally way. different way, yeah. Yeah, it'd be boring if it was the same way. Yeah. Then you would understand him too well. <laughs> what <laughs> Will he be able to ask for what he needs, I guess? Is that the question? I, I hope so. I don't know. You know what I mean? Like, because I catch myself and also my husband sometime being like, okay, just take a deep breath and like move on. And then, you know, other times we're really good at being like, okay, have your big feelings. And like, you're right. Of course you're mad. (laughs) It's hard though. It's hard to, you can't, I mean, I don't know. I can't do anything a hundred percent of the time. It's like an impossible standard to set. So I try to focus on repairing anytime I feel like I've made a mistake as a parent, being really honest with him about it. Like, man, I really shouldn't have yelled at you. I'm sorry. I grabbed that out of your hand. I shouldn't have done that. We don't grab things. Mommy made a mistake. Really sorry. Show him that I'm fallible. (laughs) Where did you get all the language? Because it comes to you really naturally. 
where did I get the language? I mean, I think some of it is from therapy and like reading books about parenting. I've read a lot of, um, oh my gosh, I'm not going to be able to think of their names now. The Whole Brain Child. Dan Siegel. Yeah, Dan Siegel and Tina, Tina Bryson. Like I've read their books and I I got No Bad Kids after you did the podcast with her. And Tina Lansbury's, I got a brag. She's Eliza's teacher. There's like eight kids in this class every Friday. That's awesome. <laughs> but I think it's that. And I think, you know, for whatever sort of perceived maybe faults that my parents might have had, I do think my mom was a, a pretty good mom. <laughs> she was great. I mean, she's just the type of mom who that's all she did at the expense of herself, I think. And so that is also thinking about, like, how do you balance? Like, I don't have a great example of how to balance. Like, I remember the first time my mom ever, like, left and went anywhere by herself, like, without my dad or, like, did something just kind of for herself. I was in high school. No way. Mm -hmm. Do you feel like you owe her anything? Like, was part of going to Dartmouth and, like, any of that stuff, like, this woman's given her life to me, so I better step up and deliver? No, where I feel like I owe her is in parenting, Grayson. Mm -hmm. So, like, what will happen is I'll, I'll feel guilty. So, like, there is, like, this weird thing of if I do... Last night is a great example. A friend of Tommy got these free tickets to the show last night, and he was like, you want to come? And I was like, sure. It was kind of, you know, day before, last minute sort of thing. And I was leaving, and Grayson was crying. I don't think he had napped at school. He was crying, holding my feet, going, Mama, don't leave me. Please, you lay down with me. You stay with me, Mama, please. Big, huge tears rolling down his face. And I was like, I had a moment of like, well, maybe I should stay. And I kind of think like maybe that's what my mom would have done. Maybe, you know, or she would have been late or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, but I decided to go. Janet Lansbury would have been very proud of you. To go? Yes. I mean, it wasn't like I was leaving him by himself. He was with, uh, he was with his dad. And I know that <laughs> well, after they our conversation, were I was concerned. <laughs> well, if I was taking a page out of your mom's book. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding, oh Mrs. God. What's your mom's book? Oh. Anyway. So I left and I called my brother and my brother and I are super close. He's seven years younger than I am. He's a single dude, no kids. And and I, my half brother is nine years younger than really? me and we're super close and he has no kids. Okay, go on. Um, so I called about him, him and I was kind of like, yeah, I just had this hard thing. And, and he was like, yeah, but you got to live your life, man. Like you've got to go out and like be your own person and Grayson will be okay. Like he knows you love him and you're going to go home after and it'll be okay. I'm a single guy with no kids, so what do I know? But, like, that's what I think. <laughs> I was like, thanks for the pep talk, Mac. Yeah, my brother's always been very good at, like, kind of marching to the beat of his own drum. Same. And I think that that happens because as parents, your first kid, you're like, you don't know what to do. So you're, like, more uptight mm -hmm. on your first kid. I'm the oldest. Mm -hmm. You're the oldest, right? Mm -hmm. And then you have more kids, and you're like, nah, I don't. You can put that thing in your mouth. It's not that big of a deal. <laughs> like, just no electric sockets and no, like, pennies to choke on. Like, otherwise, like, we'll probably be okay. And you just, like, chill out, I think, with more kids. I agree. So I'm trying to be more chill with my first. <laughs> but I'm not that successful, I don't think. Sometimes I'm a little, sometimes we're a little, I think, tough on him. You do? I sometimes think we are too tough. 
No. He's very well behaved. Maybe you are. Maybe that's why I'm such a great know. parent. Since, what did you say? She's My very, child is so alive. She's so alive. <laughs> she's, they're so alive. She's so alive. Oh, God. <laughs> but it goes so fast. It goes so fast. What's 15 co- years. How have we known each other 15 years? I know. How do you look the same? I was going to say, <laughs> you look you exactly look the same. So you. you look exactly the same. Um, that's really funny. Actually, I'm probably like 15 pounds lighter. <laughs> really? Oh, then <laughs> you're right. The, the I'm cake. probably, I'm probably actually about the same. I, I did like drop down for a while, but now I'm back up to where I was at the time. <laughs> it's fine. Was there ever a moment when listening to the podcast that you were like, well, I wish I could share this or I wish I could say that or like, oh, ugh. putting me on the spot. I'm probably not gonna be able to think of anything right offhand. One thing that I think about sometimes is you had a mom guest who had to make a very difficult decision to end a pregnancy. And I can't, I mean, beyond those specifics. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think about that because we're, you know, going to be getting pregnant again. And I had a miscarriage before I had Grayson. And my grandmother had a full-term stillborn, stillborn baby was her first pregnancy. And I think about like, how just hard that is like losing a child, even if it's just almost like the idea of a child because it's so early on and how that is like such a, so many women have just like suffered in silence with that for so long. I think that was like a grief that stayed with my grandparents their whole lives, Mm -hmm. even though they had three children after that, you know, one of them being my mom and, I think that that is, I just really, I don't know. I just have a lot of empathy for that and having gone through it in my own small way, you know, like that's, I just want to give some love to moms who are having a hard time with that kind of thing. Cause I can't, it's unfathomable really (laughs) way to bring it down. I'm hiding behind my mic. You guys can't see me. And I'm like, that was too serious. I mostly write comedies, just so you know. <laughs> okay. Oh, my God. Okay, Carissa, where can everybody find you? Um, you can find me on carissabruin.com. I'm at Carissa Bruin on Twitter and Instagram. And uh, check out my web series, Why Does Mommy Cry?, which is on my website. Or you can look up the hashtag crying mommy on Twitter. It was inspired by how much I was crying after I had my first baby. Why? I cried so much. In retrospect, it was like a lot of hormones and like whatever. Now we also know that you were in grad school. (laughs) And I was tired. Um, But also like my birth did not go as planned. And like that's a story for another time perhaps. But but yeah, I was crying so much that I wanted to make it funny. (laughs) It is very funny. Everyone must check it out. It's silly. It's only four episodes. It won't take your whole life. No, I'm just so impressed you got it done. Because it takes, I mean, that's, web series are serious effort and you directed it and I'm just going to shut up and I'm just going to put up the link and everyone's going to watch them. It was a no budget thing. So it was a a grind to do it. I did it with no money. So, but I'm glad I did it. And it looks awesome. Thanks. And it's very funny. Thank you. Okay, everybody. Until next week, trust in your goodness, live out your greatness. Rock on. Atomic Atomic Moms. Moms.